Hey there, We Can't Wrestle Podcast listeners. If you haven't noticed, we have switched our server to Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app, or go to anchor.fm to get started. Highly recommended by me and everybody else here at the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Listening to the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Now it's time for our host, Nate Matson. Hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to episode 118 of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Nate Maxson, your host, here with you, along with, of course, as always, my brother Aaron. Hello, hello, hello. And he who is Mr. Archie Mitchell. Woo! Welcome to the show, gentlemen. How's it going out there on this fine evening? As we ring in, Happy New Year to our listeners, by the way, as we the first episode of 2021. Pretty good. I mean, Not I had a shit one. day at work, but yep. we're doing this now, so it's going to be fun. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And before we get into the meat of the matter here, this week we are going to be discussing two topics. One is... A Madison Square Garden show from March 17th of 1985. And the funny thing about this show, I mean, I guess I could get to it later. I'll just say it now, though. For all the, for all the wrestling that I watch and for all the stuff that all the, the um, Madison Square Garden shows, Boston Garden shows, uh, Philly Spectrum shows that I've watched, I if I have ever watched this show before, I do not remember it. Because as I was watching it, there was a lot of things that I did not yeah, I, I I found myself going, wow, this was before WrestleMania 1, mm-hmm. but yet I don't remember, like, a lot of I mean, we watch Coliseum videos, we watch all the old stuff, and there's never a, a replay of anything that happened at this show. Mm-hmm. You know, and, like the part with Mr. T and, and Roddy Piper, not to get deep into it, I thought that would have been replayed to the high heavens right. back in the day. And and I went into it, and I a lot of times when we... Um, do like a show like this i look at the matches mm-hmm. like i just look at the card before i watch it you know just because like maybe i want to write something down and you, you you know what i mean like maybe write pre-notes or whatever when i looked at it i was like i don't think i'm gonna have a lot i even texted nate and said i don't think i'm gonna have a lot on this show but i got i got more out of it than i thought I would. Mm-hmm. oh yeah me too me too i was like wow i'm gonna be bored but i was making customs and whatever i put it on i put my earphones on and I actually put the custom down and began watching, like literally right. paying attention. Like, <laughs> I got to see what's going to happen, even though I knew everything that was about to happen. It's a good little house show. Yeah, and we, I agree. Yes, it is. And we are also going to be discussing a fan-suggested match suggested by Facebook group member and podcast listener Nathan Roberts. Nathan suggested the match between Sting and Diamond Dallas Page from Nitro 
on April 26th, 1999. And I thought when I heard that, I was I was very upset. I was like, Nathan, how could you do that to us? (laughs) It was actually better than I expected. And the storyline around it was great. The whole show. Mm -hmm. I even watched matches after the match was over. What's this cat's name? Nathan Roberts. Nathan Roberts. Roberts. I texted Nate, or I almost texted Nate, and was going to be like, do I have to be nice because he picked this match? And then I was like, (laughs) I'm not going to ask him. I'm just going to be honest. (laughs) Well, we will get into that here in just a moment, but we would be remiss, and we already discussed it with Chad Austin on the Reliving the Extreme podcast, but I just wanted to touch on it here as well. I was kind of hoping Kyle would be with us to talk about this. We would be remiss if we did not mention the passing of um, Brody Lee. Yes. Uh, uh, and, of course, Danny Hodge this week. But Danny Hodge, I mean, 88 years old. The man lived a long life. Not so much a shock that he passed, but definitely a shock with the passing of Brody Lee this week. Um, he was, and Aaron knows this, even back to his internet darling days. He was always one of my favorite of the modern guys. There was there, there's, there was always something about him that stood out you know his it just his the way he moved his psychology in the ring the way he did his moves when he'd be on the outside of the ring going yeah 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 you know just little things yep. about Brody that he he was one of those I think he to me he was one of those new guys that had an old school spirit exactly. an old school soul exactly you know he could have he you could have plopped him down in Georgia or in, in mid-south in 1984 1983 and he would have fit right in yep um and from all intents and purposes, from everything that you've heard about him over the past week or so, uh, at a, an amazing guy, an amazing family man. Maybe the most loved wrestler I've ever seen because people just outpoured with stories about how generous. Yeah, it was almost sweet, like it's you know, it's almost like I, Owen. Yeah, I was about to say it's been almost like when Owen passed. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, and I, I watched the, um, I watched the. The a- I finally got to watch the AEW tribute show last night, and they did a very good job. Um, I choked up a few times. I, 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 w- I was I was pretty good through most of the show, but when when his kid came out, yeah, I was like, "It's his kid." Sorry about you, daddy. You yeah, know, exactly. Was, uh, exactly. But yeah, it was. They did a good job, and and like I said, I, I just rest in peace, Brody. And do you guys have anything to say on the the topic? Well, what I'll Go say ahead, on the topic is. Um, anybody that would try to say that, and you guys know me, I'm not a modern product guy. Okay. I mean, I watch it. If there's something I, that piques my interest or I say, I'll watch this, watch that, you know, I'll, I'll I'll take a look. But anybody that would try to say that, like, like something that really pissed me off and it was like a, it was, it was a little thing. JR um, took that boy to like a Jaguars game or something like that. I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want gaming took him to or whatever. But JR and AEW tweeted that Jim Ross has taken Brody Lee's kid to this game, and uh, like some of the internet wrestling community was just like, "Oh, look at AEW trying to get good press and shit." Like, fuck off. Right. Yeah. Jim Ross was just trying to take a boy that lost his dad to a fucking football game. Right. Kind of take his mind off of it. Right. Nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing <laughs> wrong with with the company putting that out there. Right. No, not at all. 
and that's all like like and then the the Bruce Mitchell thing is fucking he deserved to get he fired. Did, yeah, he deserved and, to get and, fired. And, like anybody that tries to take and Nate, you talked about it a little bit, and when you and Chad were talking, I didn't want to overstep what Chad was saying because he was talking about it from a personal level or whatever. I'm talking about it from just looking at it. There's nothing wrong with wanting to celebrate somebody that was your friend and and exactly. wanting to put it out there. Yes, absolutely. Exactly. Like watching um, Adam, like I posted it on our page. That uh, Britt Baker posted that video from yep. there. Uh, Brody's. Uh, I'm assuming it was his wake or whatever you want to call it, where um, fucking Adam the choke slam from his boy or whatever. Yeah. I mean, yep. there's, there's nothing wrong with wanting to share that with people and putting nope. that up. It's not trying to get like like kudo points or whatever. It's just it's no. celebrating a guy that there was was a lot of people's friend. Mm-hmm. And, and anybody that tries to say, oh, they're trying to get this or they're trying to get that, it's like fuck off. Yeah. Yeah, and to the same res- to the same respect, anybody that has done anything to make this about themselves and the their little goofy internet wrestling community can fuck off because just like the people oh, that definitely. you know you have uh, people that comment on posts or that I've seen comment or make posts I guess is what I'm trying to say about how oh. All WWE did was put up the little thing at the beginning of the show. Well, okay. However, firstly, that's what they do for anybody that doesn't currently work there. Right. You know, um, and also if those people would first, first of all, it's stupid that they bring it up in the first place. Right. Secondly, if those people would take 25 seconds to go to WWE's either YouTube page or WWE.com, they've had they've let every wrestler who wants to do a tribute do a tribute. They've you know they've had they had that that amazing video that had like all that indie footage and stuff in it. That was a really cool video they did for him. Yeah. Just because yeah. they didn't put it on their TV show doesn't mean they were like, oh fuck John Huber, you know. I, I, the the people who say things like that or question WWE, you know how they said goodbye and whatnot. Are the, I, I feel that those same kind of people, like at a funeral, look at somebody and go, "Why aren't you crying?" Right. Or, you know, like, who I mean, what tell somebody how to mourn? What I what I see what I see when I see that is I see narcissism. What I see yeah. is somebody that posts something like that during a time like this is somebody that's like, "Hey, hey, 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 I'm still here. Look at me. Right. I'm still. Yep. You should be looking at me. Look at me. Look at me. Give me attention. You know." Just let things be how they are and let the right. companies and the coworkers honor the guy's memory the way they want to. Exactly. And I think, like I said, I think that both companies did a great job honoring him. And um, it really is. It's a terrible, terrible shame that he's gone so, so young. It is. You know? It is. And, but AEW, um, that, that was by far one of the best remembrance shows since Owen or Eddie, for that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, right up there with them, uh, they they truly showed that for the short period of time that John worked there, that he was loved, because John joined them what six or seven months ago. Mm-hmm. He wrestled for about two and a half, three months, and then he's been off TV since. So, for him to make that kind of impact on the the new people that work there. As well as all of his friends, it just goes to show what kind of legacy and, that man left behind. And, and plus, like with the AEW thing, it's like those guys, um, 
might have not worked AEW with him that long, but they were the guys worked that the were in, right. worked the indies and all that shit with him. And right. um, not saying shit like shit, you know what I mean? But right. also, like, the last thing I'll say on it is Nate, you said, like, people were like, oh, WWE just put, like, a little like a little sign up saying like John Huber this date to this date everything you want to say about Vince McMahon what does Vince McMahon do Vince McMahon takes care of people that haven't even worked there for 20 fucking years if, if, if somebody goes to Vince McMahon and says I want to go into rehab Vince McMahon's going to make sure you go into rehab I'm not saying John Huber need to go to I'm using this as no, an example no, no. You cannot tell me that Vince McMahon didn't undercover do something for that family. No, oh, absolutely. For sure. For sure. Or if they came to him and said they needed something, they're going to get it. Yeah. Right. You know? Right. So that's my opinion on the, the Brody Lee situation. Sad situation, but we had not got together as a pod to talk since uh, it happened. So I just wanted to cover that real quick. And kudos to MJF for taking that bump for that boy. Yeah, and then yeah, also, it, and it, then it, also it, on Twitter, he was like, "Fuck that kid." Yeah, but that's MJF it, and Brody. And I guarantee you, Brody Junior laughed, and I guarantee oh. you, Brody was on high laughing about it too. Yep. And I yep. and I listened to Jr.'s podcast, and they they were uh, Conrad talked to him about it, and Jr. said he didn't know a lot about John Huber, and he was surprised. Not, I, I shouldn't say surprised. He was like, I didn't know the impact that this guy had on the people that were around him, you know, because JR didn't know him that long. And he said when he took that boy to that football game, um, he was just like, man, my dad talked so much about told, like, like was just telling him all like, the, like the good things that John Huber had said about JR. And JR was like, mm-hmm. he's a good man, you know? Yeah. So, well, Moving on to from uh, a sad a sad story to well we'll find out if it's a sad story or not the match of the week here as suggested by Nathan Roberts from our <laughs> Facebook group and one of our <laughs> listeners and Aaron is already doing <laughs> it but uh, this uh, match again from April twenty sixth nineteen ninety nine Monday Nitro in Fargo North Dakota and um, during the, let's see, this would be, uh, we're about five months away from Eric Bischoff being released from the company. He got released in September of 99. So we're about six months away from Vince Rousseau, bro. New York um, rules, bro. Yeah, bro. And uh, kind of the, the dwindling down, you know, WWE's kind of, <laughs> uh, uh, what do I want to say? Every single week, handily, handily, handing WCW their ass at this yep. point on a platter. Yep. <laughs> no questions asked. Even though WWF 99 is pretty shit, too. Um, they were definitely kicking their ass in the ratings at this point. And uh, you get you get into the at this point in the company where you have multiple title changes on one show. Or we're hot-shotting putting the title on, I don't know, David Flair or something. I mean, it's it was kind of desperate at this point. Nate. But, well, Nate. Uh, Ric Flair is in a mental institution as this show starts. Now I'll tell you what though. <laughs> okay. Even though even though the premise of it is stupid. Entertainer that's entertaining shit. That it's stuff funny. was funny. Oh no, that no, no. no. I'm not funny. saying it's not funny. But it's stupid. Flair, 
Like, one of my favorite things of all time in wrestling is when Ric Flair walks into the psych ward right at the beginning of it, and he's just got his robe on <laughs> and his boxers, and he's just like, woo! <laughs> and he's like, yep. And all the psycho faces are like, woo, 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 woo. <laughs> this is another play. prime example of what I told you guys last week. The WCW Kevin Sullivan had a fucking fetish for fucking <laughs> mentally retarded people. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's spend the night together. Um, <laughs> so this match again, Monday Nitro, April 26, 1999. It is Sting. Versus WCW World Champion Diamond Dallas Page. Now, Archie, Who you is- said, Archie, you said you watched the whole show. I only watched yes. the match. I only yes. watched the match too, so I don't know much of the context here. Well, uh, what it, what had gone down is this is no longer Wolfpack Sting. This is Sting as a loner again with funny he has boots. No friends with funny. Oh white yeah, boots no, those are my notes. Those, <laughs> my those, those white boot shields that he's wearing <laughs> make him look like a, a toddler going to preschool for the first time, uh, which is all black. That was what made it weird. See if there would have been something else white on him besides his, his makeup. Yeah, but it's just white boots. Okay, okay, Sting. all right. That's my third note. Sting's <laughs> boots are weird. 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 Seriously, it's on there. <laughs> so the match was made because what had happened was uh, Diamond Dallas Page took out Hulk Hogan weeks prior. Literally broke Hogan's leg in a match mm. because he put him in the figure four on the um, ring post. Uh, so then they set up a match between uh, Diamond Dallas Page and Goldberg. Diamond Dallas Page pulled a chicken shit heel move and was about to screw Goldberg over. Kevin Nash coming out to defend Hulk Hogan, which I guess the NWO is now faces. Yeah, who knows? Um, I don't know. <laughs> That's what I couldn't tell because Diamond Dallas Page is the main heel on the mm-hmm. show. Uh, Diamond Dallas Page gets taken out by Nash. And so Ric Flair calls Charles Robinson because that's Ric Flair's go-to guy because Ric Flair's the president of the company. And he's um, in a mental institution. And he's in a mental institution where he was put by, I believe, the president of WCW at the time, uh, which was not Eric Bischoff. They kept saying Brad Siegel and and the other guys that you know you, we used to see on mm-hmm. TV weekly. Um, he calls Charles Robinson. You make Sting versus DDP tonight, woo? Because that'll blow the roof off of this place, Daddy. And for the pay per view, you make Goldberg versus DDP. And everybody's like, okay, great. Charles Robinson makes the match. And then then the match happens. And Sting comes out with the funny boots. Did you, <laughs> did you guys, did you, all you listeners, did you hear Archie describing all of the <laughs> machinations going on? This is 99 in pro right. wrestling this in a nutshell, people. This is like all that crazy shit that just led up to this match in the middle of a Nitro. Not even the main event in the and middle of a I, Nitro. All I kept thinking was is... Dude, I was 18 during this time and we're actually busting to watch this shit. <laughs> like, like, I can't go anywhere on a Monday. Raw's on. The Nitro. You know what I mean? But WCW 1999 is the worst year of any professional wrestling, like any major professional wrestling company pre-COVID. COVID era. Yeah, right. Without COVID going on. <laughs> right. Terrible. Terrible. It starts out super boring. And then it becomes a fucking fever dream. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and DDP 
EDP is in the top five worst, worst WCW champions of all time. I have a list if people want to hear it, but DDP is in the top five. Is they David Arquette number one? Nope. Then I don't <laughs> want to hear it. I refuse to hear it. No, I'm kidding. He's number two. He's number okay. two. Oh, he's on the list. Okay. Uh, do you guys want to hear my list of worst WCW right champions ahead. of all time? Right the ahead. worst, the worst WCW champions of all time are, and I'll start from the bottom. I'll start with five and work my way up. Kevin Nash, Jeff Jarrett, okay. Diamond Dallas Page, David Arquette, and Vince Rousseau. That's the worst WCW champions of all. Why? Why is Nash on that list though? Because he did nothing for nobody and did nothing for the belt. All right. I I will. I probably would not put him in my top five, but I know what Aaron's saying. Like I would much. I would. I, get it. I would rank his. I would rank his. Definitely rank his WWF title run as Diesel oh, over his any of his definitely. WCW title runs. Nope. And also, nope. and also at the time he was booking. So. Well, here's the thing, though. His first WCW world title run, Finger Poke of Doom, he lost it to Hogan. Second one, I think he held it for like six weeks and then lost it. And then his third one, he... Well, his first, his, his first one was, was with Goldberg. Yeah, he beat Goldberg. And then the very yeah. next night was the Finger Poke of Doom and he lost yeah. it to Hogan. So he gave it up in one day. He held it for six weeks after that. And I think either he lost it to Page or... or Sting probably or God knows who wasn't it wasn't he champion during one of those thunders or those like random thunders or something yeah, where they'd I, start out with everybody like everybody was the fucking champion <laughs> they, during thunder they'd right. start out with like Nash's champion then he'd lose it to Flair then he'd give it back he to never Flair, lost that, that was yeah he walked, he walked <laughs> out literally handed it so basically out of three title reigns he basically held the title for eight days like not even <laughs> I, I, I think Buzz Stern held it for like three minutes. <laughs> Sergeant Buddy, Lee Parker. Thunder. Sergeant Buddy <laughs> Lee Parker had it a couple times too. <laughs> no, so that's my list of worst WCW champions. I agree with it. I agree. I had with to it. get a list on the show. We got, we got Tony Shivani and Mike Tanay calling the match. Those and, guys were always good together. But but they're but they're arguing like two little girls that just gave gossip on each other to a girl that shouldn't know it. Like and that's. You know, that's probably because they didn't give them a color guy to be on here with them. Yeah, but they you know, hated each it, other, so it was really coming out too. When, yeah, when thing. you had when you had Tony and Mike with maybe Bobby Heenan or or right. and I, I'm not saying this guy's any good or a Mark Madden or just somebody in between them. Even Larry Zabisco. Larry Zabisco. Yeah. You know, if Mark they, Madden would have been between them, they wouldn't even hurt each other because they were <laughs> so far away. At one point, Mike Tenay says. Tony Giovanni says, a great arm drag by Sting. And Mike today literally says, with all of his saltiness, <laughs> oh, wow, you actually know the name of the moves? <laughs> and Tony Giovanni said, oh, you're actually paying attention to me this week? And I'm like, Jesus <laughs> Christ, they're, they're not a married couple. Why are they arguing like this? If, if Mark Madden would have been between them, it would have been like Bob Keitel and <laughs> fucking Vern Gagne calling the match. They would have been like, huh? Huh? What did you say? What? Huh? His name His name's Diamond Dallas Sage. What are you? <laughs> I How much is this guy? Weigh? 
How much? Yeah. How much does this guy weigh? <laughs> Don't um, be frumpy, Barge. Bruno comes in out of nowhere. I'll tell you. <laughs> I'll tell you. <laughs> That's hot. So um, the match. The match. Speaking of and, and, and speaking of hot, I'll say this. For everything I hate about this match, at least the crowd was into it. Mm. Oh yeah, I have. Yeah, I have here. The start off of the match pops the crowd, and the crowd stays with it, and there the match is over throughout. Now you could chalk it up to a couple of things. First of all, whether you like DDP or not, Aaron, he was a big star at this time, as was Sting. Right. And you could also chalk it up to if you remember back in the day when Nitro and, and Raw were touring the country and wrestling was hot shit. Whenever they would go to one of these towns like Fargo or something that they didn't right. go to a lot, then it people shit, Yeah, right? then people were then people were into it. Like we got nitro, baby. I don't sure. care what you can put shit on a plate. <laughs> this is much better than the pig race. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna pop for public enemy versus high voltage. Right. Yeah. Honey, put on your good dress tonight. Why are we going to the tractor pull? No, we're going. We're going to wrestling. We we ain't going to the tractor pull. The fucking Vianos are showing up. (laughs) We're going wrestling. That psychosis is in town. We gonna watch him defend his cruiserweight title against Rey Mysterio Jr. (laughs) Only way I like a Mexican as a wrestler. (laughs) (laughs) What what they call those boys? Lucha Libre. (laughs) Put on your good. Put on your good potato sack. We're going <laughs> and bring the potato salad. <clears throat> so we, so we have a WWF. No, it's WWF. Sorry if we offended you, hillbillies. Yeah, out there. sorry. Guys. We really went on a <laughs> I'm one of you. It's okay. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> um, DDP gets some some good heel heat in this match too. Like I, I actually wrote down here that. Uh, and I, at looking back at it, DDP actually tells somebody to fuck off. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, and the man, he says fuck off. Like somebody else has him in the face, just like fuck off, like right into the camera. Like Aaron is not. Aaron is. If you listen to this show, you know Aaron is not a fan of Diamond Dallas Page. Here's I'm a man of two opinions on DDP. I do not like babyface Diamond Dallas Page. But I always thought DDP was a really good heel, even when he was like young and like fat DDP, when he was the fat DDP and he was a heel or even here, like when he did that, when he did the trifecta thing with Canyon and, and Bam Bam, I always like DDP as I always like DDP as a heel. So um, I, I, I enjoyed him in this match. Do you want to know what's in my notes kind of on that? Mm-hmm. My notes say if DDP never became a wrestler and always stayed as a manager, I'd have absolutely no problem with it. He was a good okay. manager. He was a good That's manager. That's what I'm saying. Like, like, and, and even if he would be like, you know, managing a tag team and maybe every six months he gets involved in like their match. And it's like, like, he, did in the, like he did in the AWA. Right. Yeah. Or, or like when he would manage like the Diamond Stud or Vinny Vegas and he's like in the match or something. I got no problem with that. But wait, he would have been like a, if he would have been, and I'm not comparing him to this guy because. The guy I'm about to mention is ten times the better performer than DDP. But like, if he would have been like a Colonel Robert Parker, mm-hmm. you know, like have right. like a faction. Like this is my this is my diamond collection or diamond well, they mine. Did. They and, called it diamond mine. Yeah, yeah. If he would have never done anything other than that, I would tell you, hey, I enjoy Diamond Dallas Page. I enjoy Diamond Dallas Page as a personality. 
but in the ring, I have but, no fucking but time. But I have a question, though. Had he stayed a manager, would have Scotty Flamingo actually gotten over? Scotty Flamingo never got over. What, what, what you, what Raven got over. Raven? But Scotty Flamingo. Raven, though, or would he have stayed Scotty Flamingo? Yeah, he still would have became Raven. <laughs> that just uh, gave me a, a little thing. The next episode we do, I want to do a what if episode. Okay. I like <laughs> but anyway, anyway, we'll yeah. we'll see what happens with that. But uh, on back into the match, the, uh, the DDP does a cool little bag out where he gets out of the ring. They have an exchange in the middle of the ring. Once again, big pop, and Sting puts DDP to the floor. Here's you. Here you go. DDP tries to walk out. Sting comes after him. More, I wrote down here, more 1999 pro wrestling. Now we're into the walk and brawl. Yeah, and that's what I, yeah. starting in 1999, both companies, both companies did this. Starting in 1999, they started saying, oh, the referee is giving leeway. Yep. I, okay. I was just about to say that. And, and this was their way of fucking getting out of lazy creative and booking well, and matches. Well, right, right. They, they have and, to do it somehow. And and if you ask me, if I'm running a wrestling company, like I'm the promoter, and I'm paying this guy to be a referee and control this match, but then they're just like, oh, the referee's giving him leeway. Like, hey, motherfucker, you're half-assing this shit. <laughs> I'm paying you to do a fucking job you, you and know, make sure this fucking job gets done. But this ref's just like, fuck it. I've heard so many times that that if a wrestler doesn't kick out at two because, like, they're so dazed, the referee is ordered to count the additional three and end the match. Or if a wrestler breaks a rule, like, for some reason, if a tag team match is going on and the ref, the wrestler comes in to break up the thing, the, the pin, the ref can actually call for a disqualification. And we've seen it happen. Mm-hmm. But but seeing this, and here, Mickey, Jay, uh, Mick, uh, Mickey Jay has given them some leeway here because it's a world title match. Well, wait a minute. They've been wrestling for 20 minutes already. What leeway do they need? Get them back in the ring and let's end the match. There's still three hours of a show to go on. And that's yeah. how you know when you watch those WWF shows, the old WWF shows back in the 90s, like 98, 99. That's how you know you can tell the stuff that, that you know, because they say that Vince McMahon just wanted to know from Vince Rousseau what was going on with the top five guys. He wanted to know what was right. going on with the – other than that, just book the show, pal. Right. You watch – and I guarantee you, anytime you ever saw, because they did, like, to me, the guys that were the best, because Brett and Austin did it, they kind of started it at WrestleMania right. 13, and that was perfect. But to me, the guys the guys that together perfected the walk and brawl were Austin and The Rock. And that was, that was, that was perfect for those guys because, of, firstly, and I'm not saying The Rock wasn't a good a good athlete and a good performer, but he wasn't a great wrestler. He wasn't a great technical wrestler. He was more flash and Austin could not work the style he did when he was stunning Steve. So for those two to go out and have an amazing walk and brawl was awesome. It was an awesome spectacle. The point that I was going to say, can I I say something about the 13? Let, Let me finish this. Let me finish this about what I was saying about Vince. If you ever notice, there might be some walk and brawl bullshit going on through other matches or in another show. But whenever it happened with the main event guys, like in Austin or a rock, 
there was always that mention of, well, this is a no disqualification, no count out match. There was, a, there was a reason for it to be a walk and brawl. That's what I was right. saying about 13. 13 was a submission match. Mm-hmm. Well, I know. No, I wasn't saying anything bad about it. Well, I was no, saying I, that was- that's what I'm saying. That's why, it's, <laughs> that's, that's why I, I wouldn't say it about that match. So, yeah, 13 was a, was a submission match. So there isn't any count out. There isn't any disqualification. Right. So these guys can fight all over the fucking place. My- or like um, um, Brett and Sean. At Survivor Series, they do a walk and brawl on that thing, but the they bell do never rings before, before they, they do it. Out of the fucking ring, and then when they right. hit the ring, then it's ding ding ding. Now the shit's going, and they never mm-hmm. left the ring again. Right. That that, <clears throat> that this was a major. Um, they fight for like five minutes out out of the ring. Yeah, mm-hmm. this was a this was a major disconnect in this match for me. Right. They get back into the ring. Sting makes a good comeback and then completely fucks up a pile driver. Yep. That pile driver was actually kind of scary. <laughs> like, I was like, oh my God. I don't know how DDP is walking right now. I don't know how he didn't at least get a stinger. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> and then uh, they decide to try to do that again. <laughs> so this time they do it as a tombstone pile driver. There's a low blow by DDP. However, Sting comes back, Scorpion Death Drop. And gets the win. One, two, three. And, and Tony uh, Giovanni acts like if it's the first time Sting has ever won a world title. <laughs> I mean, I understand he wanted to put Sting over and, okay, the title's on him. But we'll talk about shitting on Diamond Dallas's pages, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, Sting's took the belt. Oh, my God. This is amazing. This is the greatest Nitro in history. And meanwhile, here's Mike today on the, on the mic going, really, Tony? The greatest again in the history? We had that one last week. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just like DDP shit on his ran enough. You don't need to right. do it. <laughs> right. You know, and then I have to say, I know I'm probably being more generous than Aaron will be. I don't know about you, Archie, but I actually gave this match a three out of five. Three. Jeff Farmer, yeps. All right, yep. Archie also. I mean, went three. It, was a, it was an entertaining match for what it was. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They actually had a decent amount of time, and then it unfolded more of a story. So. Right. What do you think, Aaron? Two stars. All right. Two? That's more than I thought you'd give it. Not horrible. So I like Sting. Right. Right. That was what it was. Not his stupid boots, and he's definitely not Randy (laughs) Savage. Why couldn't Nathan Robert? Why couldn't Nathan Robertson wanted us to watch the fucking Great American Bash or fucking Spring Stampede Savage? So get the, this now. Match the only ends. good things that fucker ever did. Sting, Sting celebrates. Match ends. We go to commercial, right? We come back. We find out that the Macho Man Randy Savage was supposedly suspended by Ric Flair, but reinstated by Commissioner... I believe they said it was Mike Sanders, so I guess this is when Mike Sanders started to get his own. <laughs> it um, was like way before Mike Sanders. No, they, I, it was either it was somebody real. I forgot the name exactly. I watched it a week ago. It wasn't Piper, was it? Yes, it was Piper. Okay, because I was going to say, I know Piper's the one. The Piper's the one that put him in the loony bin or whatever. Right, and, right. <laughs> this is insane. I love it. Back for one night only because he's going to be in, in gorgeous George's corner. When she fights Charles Robinson at the next paper, 
I take it back. How did WCW ever? How did W? Awesome. How did this company ever go out of business with booking like this? I take it back. Ninety-nine WCW is pretty awesome. They're fighting for something, guys. If Gorgeous George wins, Randy Savage is completely reinstated. And Rowdy Piper is now the president of WCW. <laughs> if Charles Robinson think shit's wins, crazy now, <laughs> Piper is fired, and so is Savage. But Flair also gets to spend the night with Gorgeous George. <laughs> Take okay. back. I love me some WCW. <laughs> We're not done. We're not done. We're going to get a so Gorgeous George training montage later on. <laughs> so we then go back to Looney Bin, and Charles Robinson Sting won the belt. And Flair's like, woo, yes, Sting won the belt. That's great for ratings. That's great for this company. Woo, I love Sting. Yeah, okay, but you used to feud with him for years upon end. Okay, fine. Book Sting versus DDP uh, versus Goldberg at the next paper. He's like, yeah, but you, but Nash has the next title shot. And, well, oh, well, we'll fix it. Just book Sting versus Goldberg. It's the match everybody's been waiting for. Woo, hangs up the phone. They announce that match. Here comes Kevin Nash. Kevin Nash, bitches and moans. Says he wants the title match, but he doesn't want to wait for the pay-per-view. He wants it to be at the ending of tonight. Goldberg, Nash, DDP, and Sting in a fatal four-way elimination match for the world title Sting just won. And then- Sting comes out and says, yes. We go back to the looty bin where Flair is on the phone with Charles. <laughs> I'm sitting there going, guys. I'm sitting there thinking, wow, if so if I go to the Looney Bin, I can be on the phone all day long. <laughs> like he, was, you, he had too much phone approval, you know? <laughs> so they booked the match. And before the match, before the night is over, spoiler alert, everybody who wants to watch this, DDP is champion by the end of the show. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So Sting was the champion for two hours and 12 minutes. So here's what here's what happened, Nathan. Nathan Roberts, good on you because, well, you gave Aaron a match that he wasn't too too happy with, but you gave Archie an adventure. Did you hear the adventure Archie went on? You gave me three hours of greatness. This totally made me forget about New York rules, bro. His, his toy hunting sucked a dick, but this nightmare right. was right. amazing. Right. <laughs> so for next week's. Um, Listener suggested match. Going back to my post that I made in our Facebook group about uh, making a to mine? making a match playlist. Well, whenever we do, I guess we'll do mine last. I'm the one that started it. But Shitty fucking answer. You're never doing mine, so that doesn't matter. <laughs> nope. Did it once. That's enough. That was that was the most political answer I've ever heard in my life. We'll do it when we do it. Yeah. <laughs> Are we doing Aaron, We will. Aaron, we will. Aaron, I think you were like the 15th or the 16th comment, so we're far away. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Here we what go. You guys in June. Steve, Steve Salamonson suggested okay. that we watch. I'm pretty excited about this one, actually. I, I, I love this match. The Steiner Brothers versus the Nasty Boys at Halloween Havoc yeah. 1990. Ooh. Now like you're speaking match. my language. Like <laughs> so we will, we will be reviewing that match if, next week. If I'm not mistaken, the canvas of the ring is red at that pay-per-view. It's, it's orange. Awesome. Orange. Orange. Yeah, orange. Yeah. And the, the ropes are like black and orange, like strike. Mm-hmm. That, that, is, that, that pay-per-view is one of my like 
vivid I, memories I from my childhood. Shit. Yeah, we used to yep. watch that shit on VHS all the time. Man. That's so. <laughs> That is mom, mom would take us a video connection and we'd rent that goddamn video and watch <laughs> that shit. That's good stuff. That's the Halloween Havoc that Barry Windham dresses up like Sting and lets Sid Vicious pin him. Yep. Yeah, I love that. That's it's yeah, got that's, it's got Luger and Stan Hansen. Yep. For the U.S. title, yeah, it's a great pay per view. I couldn't We're, believe how much Windham looked like Sting when he cut his hair into a buzz cut and put on the makeup. <laughs> uh, as a kid, I was like, "Damn, that's Sting!" And I was like, "No, that's Barry Windham." As an adult, I was like, "Fuck, that's Barry Windham." <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. we talked about um, pre- we talked about uh, Roddy Piper talking to the Ric Flair and the Looney Men earlier. Roddy Piper is on the show. We are going to discuss when we return. Yes, from our break. break. Yes, yeah. sir. May 17th, 1985, the WWF in Madison Square Garden, just two weeks away from the first WrestleMania. Oh, my. The first WrestleMania. And we will be bringing that to you, our review of that show, when we return. (laughs) Retake that shit. You sounded disgusting. Class all around. (laughs) We'll be right back. No way I'm editing that. It's staying. All right, wrestling fans, welcome back to the We Can't Wrestle podcast. And you got to hear my disgusting belch before we <laughs> before we took our break and <laughs> drinking some beer as we're recording the show here. But welcome back to episode 118. We are going to be reviewing March 17th, 1985, Madison Square Garden. But before that, before we get to that, I would like to let each and every one of you know we would really appreciate it if you would check out the Reliving the Extreme podcast. Yes. Our other show that Aaron and I do with ECW, as he calls himself, ECW Participant. I always call him ECW Star, and he's like, well, I was a participant. ECW Star, Chad Austin, um, as we are week to week reviewing ECW, going through the history of Extreme. It is a great journey we're on. We're only 13, no, wait, 15 episodes in now. So you can catch up. They're about an hour apiece. Um, you, you got you got time now to catch up uh, with us. As we're reviewing it, and and I, I highly recommend before listening to the show, going back and watching the show that we're going to be watching because, Definitely. Uh, especially right now, the stark difference between between what ECW started as and what it became, it's it's crazy to watch it. I mean, we just watched an episode from July sixth of nineteen ninety three, and the main event. I mean, not the not the last match, but the technically main event of the show is a number one contenders match between the Sandman and. Ivan Koloff, yes, Ivan Koloff was in ECW for more than a week. When he first arrived on the show, we were all like, oh, this is just a one-off, or this is something right. they recorded in 92 or whatever. But now he's been around for like a month now with his with his goofus uh, new protege, Vladimir Koloff. But yeah, it's fun. It's a great time watching ECW, reviewing the shows with Chad. Um, and also, if you're not a member of our Facebook group, what are you waiting for? What are you yeah, waiting for? Join the group. Free shit. We give away free Stupid shit. Bitches. <laughs> um, the there will be the return this year in 2021. I am going to bring back. That's not wrestling. Um, so that will be returning. And of course, trolley trivia is coming to the Facebook yes. page very very I have soon. To lock down a day that I will be available to do so, and that Nate could possibly join me and Aaron. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I was like, can I can I participate in both? You were going to be wrestling my, and and you're going you're huh? going to be my Ed McMahon on uh, uh, Trolling. Hey, 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 <laughs> I'll just make dick jokes and go, hey, there you go, that works. And I'll be Rodney Dangerfield. I'm okay today, Archie, but yesterday, oh. I wanted you to be Doc uh, Doc Sorensen. Doc the, Severson. The, the oh. Severson, yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, but again, join our Facebook group. We have great conversations. That's where we're getting these matches that we're reviewing on the show from um, listeners and participants in the group uh, suggesting the matches so you can have some show interaction. And I'll get one more shameless plug out of the way, and then I'll let you guys do any if you want to. Coming up very soon through the month of January – um, regular editions of the show may or may not happen because we are going to, I am going to be undertaking the copious amount of recording to do the hall of fame specials, which will probably wind up being at least two episodes of the show where, uh, I will sit down with the people who voted for the hall of fame, the, we can't wrestle hall of fame and, uh, in probably groups of three or four, and we will discuss, who, you know, discuss the class. Should they be in? Who did I vote for? Why did my guy not get in? Why did this person deserve to be in, et cetera, et cetera? I think it's going to be a great conversation. Um, I'll give you a preview. I'll give you guys a preview. I am very, very pissed that not enough of you people voted for Ricky Dozon. And we will get into that when we well, get into the. Oh, there wouldn't be, there wouldn't I, be Japanese wrestling right now if it wasn't for Ricky Dozan. Can I, can I say who? Can I say who my? I'm pissed off. This person didn't get in. Person is. You can, but don't go into too much detail. Hold it for I the won't. show. I'm, I'm just gonna say, nobody other than me, I think, voted for Fred Blassie. I'd have to go back and look at the ballots, but I think you might be right. I think Chad yeah. and I are the only two that voted for Ricky Dozon. I I don't know enough about Ricky to have voted for him, so that's probably why I didn't vote for him. I mean, I know of him. Mm-hmm. But I don't know enough about him to have given him my my vote. That's the was there anybody you were surprised or disappointed didn't get in, Archie? No, I mean it was a pretty. I mean, no, I think I think the, the 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 class itself is is solid. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, everybody in there deserves to be in a Hall of Fame. But yeah, there were just some that. Uh, and again, like I said, we'll get we're not, we won't do spoilers here. I won't go on off on a tirade yet, but. Right. Uh, that is going to be coming. Probably those episodes will drop later January, early February. And um, Archie, anything you want to discuss before we proceed? Uh, no, I, I think you pretty much handled you know handled everything there. I think we're good. Aaron, are we doing stupid gimmicks? Yes. Well, yeah. Well, all right. So Archie and Aaron are dueling here with uh, Aaron, some gimmicks. You go first. I can't remember if I did this one. And if I did, I'm sorry, but it's still funny. Um, did I ever tell you guys the the um, crazy the crazy vegan wrestler that I have? No, I don't think so. I've never told you about the cilantro man, Randy Cabbage. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, that's a new one. That's a new one. <laughs> All right, well, mine was. He goes out in his garden. He's like, dig it. <laughs> Oh yeah, rutabagas! <laughs> snap into some snap peas. Yeah. <laughs> Archie I has was, one for you, Aaron. I already heard it. I, spoiler alert! I already heard it. He's a hardcore rocker, but also a Star Trek fan. 
he is Man Mountain Spock. <laughs> <laughs> Pointy ears, live long and prosper guitar. Live long and rock on. That's what I love it. Mine, mine that I gave sent the guys earlier in our in our uh, uh, host chat can only work in print. It doesn't really work if you say it. Say it again. Go ahead. It's the Miz. It's I. I think it's funny because of its simplicity. It's the Miz, but he's dyslexic. What was it, Zim at Zim at... Zim at... <laughs> Sounds like a belt maker on these groups. Yeah, I was just it sounds like you need it bro. Like, you need it sounds bro. like butt mud or whatever those <laughs> belt makers are made. Names are perfect. Oh my god. <laughs> oh shit! I love this show. All right, <laughs> so now we roll on to our show review for this week. We are going back to two weeks prior. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, go ahead. I got a wrestler. Okay. Um, his name is Oliver Codrad Dempsey. Okay. And, and. Oh my God. <laughs> his specialty is the um, Texas bull rope match because he has to touch every corner. Because. <laughs> Oliver Codrad Dempsey is OCD. <laughs> Otherwise known as OCD. <laughs> Alright, I've got one more. He can only win by a six count. I was going to say. <laughs> His entrance takes 27 minutes. <laughs> he's like, wait a minute. He's got to tap every uh, everything on the way down twice. I only did 23 steps. It's got to be 24. <laughs> All right, I've got one for you, Aaron. I don't believe we've done a female wrestler yet. Right? I don't think so. I don't think we've done a diva. She's the daughter of a plumber. She is Busty Rhodes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, sucky, sucky. <laughs> if you will. <laughs> oh. <laughs> polka dots might look flattering on her, actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, needed a, we needed an entire episode to do these. We just needed an entire like, episode of us doing this. She's got bigger titties than her daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, Dustin Rhodes in the virtual asylum. Yes. Yes. Dustin Rhodes is coming to the virtual asylum. Um, How was that for a segue, Nate? That that was very good. (laughs) I like that. It was good. And keeping it in the family. They're not family now, but I'm sure they get along just fine. Terry Runnels coming up next Saturday in the asylum. So stay tuned for that. Pretty awesome, awesome stuff coming up. Yes, I'm actually sir. excited that Don Morocco is going to be in the virtual asylum. I am too. I am too. I like Don, I like Don Morocco. Even even lazy ECW champion Don Morocco that we're watching right our, now. Don't listen to our reliving the extreme. <laughs> yeah, Don, don't listen to the first few episodes of that. <laughs> one. He's, 
Jones. Nah, he knows. He calls himself cumbersome, for God's I, sake. He I knows. I go on that, like, that meet and greet and be there. <laughs> like, Brock, do you ever want listen to Reliving the, the, the stream? <laughs> they love you. You got to go on there. Watch I it. heard it, brother. I heard I heard him putting me over, brother. Brad <laughs> <laughs> doesn't even remember being <laughs> Yeah, <show>. he's... He... <laughs> right. It was just another indie at the time. He didn't have any idea. They handed, it, they handed him his belt and were like, you're teaming with Snook at a night. <laughs> All right. Like, was so when I was at that hot now and got a good sandwich? I don't remember that shit. <laughs> <laughs> you, mean they, you mean they put that shit on TV? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. We are going back to March the 17th, 1985. The biggest surprise, just to start off here, was I was like, wow, they did MSG two weeks before WrestleMania, you know, like it was like, whew, this is, this is definitely a reflection of the time and how times are different now. Right. And, um, but yeah, they're in Madison square garden. Looks like a sellout Madison square garden, the WWF March 17th, 85. We have gorilla monsoon and Gene Okerlund together. Which blew on the my call. mind. I have never heard mean Gene on commentary. And there's a reason for it. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love Mean Gene Oakland. I love it. I do too. Okay. But Mean Gene Oakland is not a commentator. Mm-mm. I think I think two of the matches, Gorilla talks to himself. Like <laughs> yeah, literally pretty much. He, he sets himself up and finishes the line where Gene should have been there. Because Mean Gene is just being quiet for some reason. <laughs> He's thinking about his drinks later on. Right. When I get to the bar. When I get to the bar, pal. So this show starts off with an opening match. And I all I wrote about the match was short and sweet. We have uh, former WWF Tag Team Champion Rocky Johnson against Charlie Fulton, who, for those of you who have not watched a lot of old pre-expansion WWF stuff, in like a, from 83, 84, 85, Charlie Fulton was one of those guys that was always on the MSG cards. He never really did anything, but he was always there. And, I, I mean, he was nothing, a talent. nothing, yeah, nothing offensive as a wrestler. I don't know a lot about him other than that. I don't know his story. I don't know what he did in the territories. I don't know a lot about him other than that. But uh, Rocky gets him with a roll-up. There isn't a lot to say about the match. Apparently, according to Gorilla Monsoon, he put on a bit of weight, too. That's all Gorilla keeps talking about throughout the match. Fulton? That that Fulton put on some weight during the last couple months. Fulton's so. getting to be kind of a fatty. You know, so. Winter weather in the Northeast. <laughs> 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 I noticed there was the um, little midget referee I'd never seen before. Yeah, I, I took me yeah, by surprise. Never seen that fucking little midget referee before. <laughs> um, and Rocky Johnson hits one of the most amazing because everybody's out of place except Rocky Johnson. He hits one of the most amazing sunset flips I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and that dude jumps halfway across the <laughs> ring to get that fucking finish. I think, I think he even moves to the left a little in midair. Like, he's, yeah, he's he like, I've ex- got to hit this. <laughs> he just expands like a fucking wombat to get that goddamn pin. And Fulton's and, like, and, what just happened? And, and he pins him, and a little midget referee, he's out of place, and he finally pins him. And guess what Gene Oakland says? What? Gene, Gene Oakland, when they're going through the – when Rocky Johnson hits that a fucking amazing wombat sunset flip, 
He goes, wouldn't that jar your mother's preserves? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. I've I, I never heard that. that expression before in my entire I, life. I I've heard it better than Kelsey's nuts. Colder he's than a mother-in-law's more, kiss. He's got more car. He's got more pills. He, he's got more excuses than Carter has pills. <laughs> I've heard so much stupid shit. But Gene Oakland goes, wouldn't that jar your mother's preserves? <laughs> What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> uh, thank you, Gene. You know what? One of the greatest exchange. Archie, I don't know if you've ever seen this interview. I know Aaron has. And don't spoil it, Aaron. Have you ever seen they are doing localized promos for Cleveland, Ohio? Mm-hmm. All right. And it's Gene Okerlund interviewing Jake Roberts. Mm-hmm. Sounds familiar. Okay, one of Jake's best lines ever. Gene says something about, you know, we're going to be in Cleveland, Ohio, May 21st or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And Jake goes, I hate Cleveland, Ohio. Yes. And and, and Gene goes, my mother-in-law is from Cleveland, Ohio. And Jake goes, I didn't like her mustache either. <laughs> I don't know what made it. Just talking about Gene made no, me think. Yeah, Gene had some great one-liners, I'll tell you. One of my favorite things, and it's not even with Gene, but um, I think it's Vince is interviewing Freddie Blassie, and he's talking shit about fucking New York or whatever, and he's like, he's like these New York broads, they don't know nothing. You ask him to jump, and they go, duh. <laughs> <laughs> not a lot's changed. Not a lot's changed. <laughs> These New York broads. <laughs> they just go, duh. Uh, I showed Aaron a video, sent Aaron a video a few nights ago about low-key funny Alfred Hayes, too. Um, Jesse Ventura's on TNT, and he's got, like, the the flowing gold, like, yeah. chain mail thing on his head. And uh, Jesse Ventura goes, he's got the uh, jewel in his dimple, you know, in his mm-hmm. He's like, what do you think of my jewel, Alfred? And Alfred's just kind of looking at it. And he goes, your hat. And Vince goes, his hat. And Lord Alfred just goes, stupid. Stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Jesse says nothing back to it. (laughs) Yeah, he does. And he's looking like, Jesse's like, you know what? He got me. The old fuck got me. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the next match on this show. As Rene Goulet, who they call him Michael Jackson of professional wrestling, because he's got that line. he's got that glove on. It's like, yeah. all right, there's where the similarities stop. Yeah, but anyway, like, hey, buddy, Mike or Mel Phillips is out on the ringside. He's the Michael Jackson of professional wrestling. <laughs> you people don't know it yet, but he is. <laughs> You're gonna find out in court. Yeah. We have Rene Goulet. Against Barry O, who is actually Barry Orton, the uncle of Randy Orton. Um, I didn't, now, I, I didn't care for this match. I was never a big fan of Barry O quick, anyway. But. Quick, uh, quick fact here: this was my first ever Rene Goulet match I've ever watched. Oh, really? Yeah, and I, I've always, I've known who Rene Goulet was. He used to be a, a he was backstage, you know. Yeah, he was the guy. Personnel. 
As kids, we just knew him as the guy with the crazy hair who came down right. on WWF superstars to break up a fight. Guy would get with that, that bleach blonde hair, and he'd always get his ass kicked by somebody. You know, and it's like, <laughs> okay, I know who he is. But now I'm like, wow, I didn't even know he wrestled. I just thought he was like a guy that did back, like Doug Dillinger. Nobody thought mm-hmm. Doug Dillinger and WCW fought, which he didn't. So right. I thought that was who Renee Goulet was when I heard he was in this match. I'm like, wow, he wrestled? No, I believe, was I think... Aaron, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm usually the one that knows, but I don't because I'm the WWF guy here. But I think Goulet may have even in the 70s at some point been WWF tag team champion with somebody. I'd have to yeah, go back I and look it, it was, up. Uh, I think it was uh, um, Parisi. Now. Probably was Tony Arena or something. Yeah, it was Tony Arena. Yeah. Okay. I think they were I think they were tag champs. I can I can Google it, and I don't want to sound like an ignorant person if I'm wrong. But I think it was I think it was Garia and Goulet before Martel. Before Martel. Mm. Well, and and you wouldn't sound ignorant because I'm usually the guy that knows as far as WWF stuff goes. But I'm almost positive. But anyway, so yeah, he had he had a career. I mean, he had um, he was one of those guys that came through the WWF with their connection to Toronto and the times and all that, he was kind of a, you know, he was a Toronto guy and, and came into the WWF quite a bit and then just kind of stuck around. Um, I think, you know, he was one of those guys that would be, he was one of those guys also that would be a challenger for Bruno or Backlund when they were just defending their title against somebody they weren't actually feuding with or whatever at that time. Um, at but one of the uh, gardens at a house show or something. Yeah, was yeah. Into, you know. So this match was okay. I mean, they it was a lot of right hands, a lot of back and forth, you know, fight, a scuffle. But I mean, it was nothing to write home about. I see why it was on a, <laughs> a, a house show and not on television. Definitely not much to write to write yeah. home about. What I did like though was from where this match started to the ending of the show. They promoted the crap out of WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. And I know it's the first, because, you know, they, they keep mentioning one night only. You cannot, this will not repeat on any pay-per-view or or paid cable or anything like that ever again. Mm-hmm. And they're like, it's one night only. It's the first WrestleMania. And they're not even saying this is the first of many. You know, no. Usually with a company, you're like, oh, well, this is Clash of the Champions 1. No, mm-hmm. this they didn't know if they were going to have more than one. No, well, Vince was betting everything on right, WrestleMania. Right, so if it didn't, if it sucked, which it didn't, we know it didn't, he wasn't going to have it another one, you know what I mean? We're all, so completely, we're all completely wrong about his title reigns. I just okay. looked, too. I just looked, too. He actually won the, ta- he won the tag team. He was a tag team champion. I was right about that. His okay. partner, Carl Gottlieb. Oh, wow. Yeah, so there you go. So, December of, December of uh, 71. <laughs> Well, at least I was right about half of it. He was a tag team champion. Overall, this match, mm, it was a Madison Square Garden undercard match. Right. <laughs> I think it um, went 10 minutes. Barrio. Barrio. For anybody that doesn't know, was blacklisted for accusing Terry Garvin and the WWF of sexual harassment um, during the Ring Boy scandal. And it turns out that the reason he got blackballed wasn't because he um, 
was sexually harassed, it's because he tried to like pile on to the, the people that were actually harassed. Yeah. He's on the, if you watch the, uh, the Donahue episodes during the steroid trial and the ring boy scandal and all that, he's, he's very much poking his big fat nose in on all that. Um, and the Orton Gene skipped this motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it did. He's yeah. I, like I said, I was never a fan of Barry O. And in the match, like watching him, like with his stupid little blonde perm and his tights and shit, I could be completely wrong. But I think the guy was trying to like rip off Ricky Morton. I can see that. I can see that. Now that you oh. said, I didn't. I didn't see it then, but I can see that now. Now that you said it, yeah. Because he's tying the bandanas around his legs, and he's got his little mm-hmm. blonde, yeah, fucking even, even shitty hair. Says, I've never seen, I've never seen Barrio with the the bandanas tied around his legs. This is the first, so maybe he was, you know. But <laughs> I, got rock. I got a feeling Bob Senior and Bob Orton were Junior were like, please don't use the Orton name. Please don't use the Orton name. Just go by Barrio. <laughs> Barry I'm, I'm begging you, man. <laughs> please, I don't want people to know you're my brother. <laughs> like I said, not a big, not a big. Uh, Barry O goes over here. Not much to write about though in the match itself. Up next, we have a Madison Square Garden debut. Special Delivery Jones takes on Jim the Anvil Neidhart, who yep. Red Heart has not come along yet at this point. I don't believe. Or if he is, he's not on TV. He's still the cowboy. Yeah, he's still the cowboy, still trying to figure it out. Um, Anvil, now managed by Jimmy Hart. Just a month or so before this, he was actually being, they had him managed by Mr. Fuji initially. Um, wow. Because um, I remember there there are episodes of, of Tuesday Night Titans where Fuji is actually Neidhart's manager before, he, before Jimmy Hart comes into the WWF. Hey, can you imagine a stand-up? Mr. Fuji, Jim Neidhart, pro <laughs> Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> 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 oh shit. Tell uh, him, Fuji. Jim... <laughs> oh, Tell him what? <laughs> Tell him what, boy, son? <laughs> yeah, baby. Yeah, yeah baby. <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> my favorite move, my, my favorite Mr. Fuji thing is... Not all like I love all like the TNT Mr. Fuji Don Morocco stuff. That's my favorite Mr. Fuji stuff. But I love when he's like, "Hey, tell him about some tropical stuff." Tell him about some tropical. Tell him about some tropical stuff. Because Vince McMahon and Lord Albert Hayes fucking lose it when he's like, hey, tell him about some tropical stuff. It's so funny. <laughs> uh. <laughs> okay. Anyway, Anvil and SD, not a bad match. You know, I've, I was never it, a fan of Special Delivery Jones. The name alone just didn't have anything going for it. <laughs> Kind of sounds like a porn star. But. Should, shouldn't he have been like dressed like a postman instead of wearing a Hawaiian shirt and a bandana? I mean, the one thing you can't take away from him is he he was involved in the first WrestleMania moment. Yes, yes. And in Madison Square Garden, and especially Philadelphia, especially Philadelphia, he was over like Rover. Oh yeah, I have, you know, I'm not saying that he's not appealing to people, but for me as a kid. 
like even with the LJN figures, mm-hmm. when I would go like to my friend and we'd be playing and he'd be like, oh, grab the special delivery Jones. I'd be like, no. <laughs> he back. was always to me. He was always the one where I was even as a kid. I was surprised they made a special right. delivery Jones. No right. offense, but you know, I'm just like, really? Hey, wow. He had two. Even, was, even his wife was. Even his wife, he was probably like, grab the special special delivery challenge. And she was like, no. Oh, Nate. Nate, so you said he had an LJN. He had two. He had a variant. He had a red no shirt shit. and then a Hawaiian shirt. I did not know that he had a variant. Yes. <laughs> I've only ever I've only ever seen the, the Hawaiian shirt one. There's a red version, too. I don't know why. I have that. Not the red one, but I have the other one. The Hawaiian somewhere. shirt. Yeah, yeah, but you you, yeah. you collect the craziest of figures. You have everything that's weird. <laughs> you told me this. Nate, Nate, he messaged me one night. Aaron messaged me one night at like one thirty. He's like, if you get any more of those weird ass figures, let me know. <laughs> I co- I collect the weird stuff. I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um. Welcome to Aaron's house of wrestling debauchery. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Leave a nickel at the door where you may not enter. <laughs> why was that funny? I don't know why, but it, it was. just was. <laughs> um. <laughs> so back to Special Delivery Jones and Jim the Anvil Lightheart. Yeah, and um, the only other note I have on it is that it really kind of annoys me, and it doesn't happen. Like a lot of just like everyday fans, it annoys me with like, like fans like like us where people are like, I hated Jimmy Hart after he got to the WWF. He was so much better in Memphis. Yeah, Jimmy Hart was cool in Memphis and everything, but until he managed Hogan, like until he turned face in like '93, right. I think Jimmy Hart gets a lot of fucking like Bad heat. Press. Like bad yeah. press or whatever. Yeah. Like Jimmy Hart was cool in the WWF. I, oh yeah, I, I liked him with the Natural Disasters. I liked him with the Nasty Boys. I liked him with Nate, Nate, Nate. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Like, oh, well, well, when he was with when he was with Lawler and with his shit, in Memphis, like, yeah, the shit in Memphis is cool and everything. But Jimmy was badass in the WWF. Well, I was listening to another, and and I agree with you. I, I agree with you. But uh, like, I was listening to another podcast today. Mm-hmm. Where they were discussing, um, they were discussing early early eighties WWF, and they brought up Ted DiBiase, and then of course they they have to summarily go into the conversation of, well, you know, even though he was uh, pretty good when he became the million dollar man in the WWF, he was never as good as he was when he was in Mid South and blah blah. blah. <sighs> oh, for God's sake, <laughs> you know what I mean, like. His it, still the same wrestler, but made right. better. Mm-hmm. That would right. be like me saying, and we talked about him earlier. But that would be, and I never did. That would be like me saying, um, 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 um you know. And this is what they sound like. If I were to be uh, six months ago, well, I mean, Brody Lee's okay in AEW, but. 
It's not like when he was in the Wyatt family in the WWE. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. uh, just because it's a promotion you're not a huge fan of doesn't right. mean the minute the wrestler got there, they became ass. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Well, let's use this, an exa- uh, let's use this an ex- as an example. Sorry. I stuttered a little bit. Um, Archie, you guys a while back did a thing in your asylum, okay? Mm-hmm. And you had Luke, right? Yes. Did you have sheep herder Luke, or did you have bushwhacker Luke? See, that's a trick question because he actually signed things as the sheep herders. As well. I understand, but when you promoted it and advertised it, we, we advertised did he say, it did he say advertise no. me as sheep herder Luke? No. Or bushwhacker Luke? Bushwhacker Luke. And did he um, announce himself as being a southwestern or? Puerto Rican Wrestling Hall of Famer or a WWE Hall of Famer? A WWE Hall of Famer. It's so a lot of people that don't think that way. His, <laughs> right. His career. Look, you cannot say that a wrestler changed. Yes, of course they changed, but for the better because the career got bigger. Well, and, and he not, also not, became the million dollar man. Not just that, but in the instance of like Bush, the Bushwhackers. Yeah, the sheep herders were badass. They were hardcore, man. You watch some of that stuff they did with the Fantastics and everything. It's amazing. But good on them for signing a big money contract with the WWF and accepting a gimmick where they didn't have to go out there and bleed and break their bones. Yeah, that's what I was getting at, too. And I I was going to kind of say this with going into this because it's it this this show for the WWF is kind of the end of like the WWF being a territory. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. And then you roll into like the WWF style and the WWF style, like people, Oh, it's all cartoony. And this, and it, it, it's not all cartoony. Like the right. WWF after this, like WrestleMania one and WrestleMania two turned into at the start of the show, you're going to get a good wrestling match. Then you're going to get another good wrestling match. And then you're going to get something like the Bushwhackers versus the Rougeau brothers. And it's right. comedic, but it's athletic. Right. And then you're going to get your IC match, which is like 100% athletic. And then you're going to roll into your fucking main event, which is Hulk Hogan, and it's all showmanship. Right. Like he, him getting a shovel. Yeah, like, like I don't want to go too – I don't want to get too off the rails. I, no, I, I, I just – I've been I, I've been watching some shit from the 80s a little bit more lately and just getting kind of fired up about it. Like I hate people that just – I shouldn't say hate. It annoys me. When people are just automatically just like, oh, right when he got to the WWF, he was terrible. Yeah, right. he, he sucked. They got him and they just fucked him over. They just <laughs> ruined him. It's like no, they bought his goddamn house and paid for his kids' college well, see, everyone, tuition. You fucking <laughs> moron. People this day and age immediately um, assume that because a wrestler was never world heavyweight champion, that they were no good or if a wrestler loses a couple weeks in a row, oh, they're being buried. 
No, they're not. It's what their character is doing right now, and they will develop into something better. Now, does that mean Mr. Perfect had a bad career in WWE, WWF? No. Does that mean that the Million Dollar Man did? No. Does that mean Rick Rude did? No. They actually excelled for the, the character and what position they were brought in for. The Million Dollar Man was a two- or three-time world tag team champion in WWF. And and you know. Ted DiBiase made more money right. and lived a better goddamn lifestyle right. than he ever would have if he would have left, like, if he would have never left Mid-South and just stayed in the NWA. Right. I mean, I'm sure Ted DiBiase would have been fine, but he wouldn't have been... Like the right. fucking superstar that he is. If the South would have ended when it did, was he going to be go to NWA and be on the actual national stage and get to WCW? I don't think so. They probably would have put him to another territory until it went out of business. Yeah, I just hate that stigma of the yeah. minute somebody some the minute somebody winds up in the WWF, oh, they're fucking trash now. <laughs> they fucking ruined. Um, it's like no, bitch. They made that guy a lot of money and a little bit better. Yep. The only person I will ever say that about is Shinsuke Nakamura. The WWE did ruin him, but he is making a shit ton of money, so that's okay. And I'm sure that's why he stays and does whatever the right. hell they ask him to do. Right. Just like AJ. You know, I see AJ clowning around. Like, right. sometimes I watch WWE Can now. Can you imagine if AJ would have done that shit? He'd still be living in fucking Impact and <laughs> sleeping in the camper. <laughs> so often Claire Whitley sometimes back up. sometimes I watch I watch some of the stuff that AJ does on WWE mm-hmm. and I think to myself you know what AJ Styles oh is at the he is at the no he is at the point in his life right where he's like fuck it I am making a fuck ton of money and and you know what when he wrestles when he wrestles he still gets to go out there and be AJ Right. Vince likes him, so they don't stifle him. When right. he has a match, he still gets to have an AJ Never Styles had match. To change his style. right. No, some of the stuff they do leading to the match is ridiculous, mm-hmm. but he's not really shitting on his legacy, be- on his own legacy, because again, he gets to go out there when he wrestles and be AJ Styles, two-time former world heavyweight champion WWE, mm-hmm. United States champion, Intercontinental champion. Former IWGP World Heavyweight Champion and former Impact Champion multiple times over. AJ Styles is going to have a Hall of Fame career no matter how you slice it. Oh, yeah. So just because he's acting like a clown here and there that doesn't mean his career sucks Mm -hmm. now. Exactly. He's still still getting put over. And not to mention, like I said, still getting paid. You know, that's that's when I watch him. I'm thinking that's what he's – like people say that – I think that that's where (laughs) – at times, even though he's been overtime, I know we're getting off the rails. We'll get back. At times, even though a lot of times over time, he's been the fuck up of the family. As far as business goes, Jeff's the smart one of the Hardys. Oh, yeah. Because Jeff Hardy, if you notice, Jeff Hardy, 99% of the time, he's like, ah, just stay in the WWE. Right. <laughs> Matt, <people are> like, <laughs> Matt, you go do what you want. You go wherever you'd like. Yeah. I'm you want to have your creative freedom and blah, right. blah, blah. Just stay in the WWE. Hey, they, as far as I'm <laughs> Look at all that stayed. fucking t-shirts I sell, man. <laughs> yeah, man. He's like, hey, man, I know I hit like 47 pedestrians and <laughs> Slammed into a fucking embankment, but Vince keeps paying. 
Zombstangin. <laughs> go off, no, with, your, go off you. with your drone and let fucking that little guy cripple you. I don't get a fuck. <laughs> right. Well, here, look at it this way. Since Matt Hardy left Jeff keep, Hardy's, Jeff Hardy's keep vaping and creeping. <laughs> Jeff Hardy's won the Intercontinental title twice since Matt Hardy left, right? Mm-hmm. And he's been involved in matches at WrestleMania again. And he's mm-hmm. been involved in high high angle feuds with AJ Styles. Yep. Matt Hardy's been in AEW, which I like AEW. I'm not bad mouthing them. But what's Matt Hardy done in AEW except he's, for let Sammy and Guevara almost kill he's, him? He's been there a year. He's had five gimmicks and almost died. That's oh, essentially yeah, what right. he's done. <laughs> like if I was Jeff, I'd be like, You let that skinny guy smack you under the the kitchen floor, man. What the fuck are you doing? Come back. It's so much easier here. And the money's so much better. I don't think he would go back. I know your music sucked and they stifled you, but shit. At least you knew where your fucking car keys were before you You fucking got in that match. You could have been with the feed. The feed wouldn't have hurt you. But Jim Neidhart and <laughs> An effective. This is where this show goes half the time. Did I an ruin effect- that? I'm sorry. No, not, no. At all. not at all. No, I, I, I. An effective, an effective squash match to get Jim over in the garden. You know, in the garden. So my next, and I want. I just want to oh, say oh, this. I oh. only have one note on it. Okay. One more note that we didn't say. Um, say they wouldn't have put the Heart Foundation together, like if they wouldn't have taken Brett's consideration of saying, "Hey." I don't want to be a cowboy, and you got Jim and um, Jimmy together, and I'm a heart, and they're hearts. Let's be the Heart Foundation. I honestly, and even though he's, I love the guy, I don't think Jim Neidhart would have been long for the world in the WWF without Brett and Jimmy. No, I agree. He, this this is actually where I'm kind of going to, (laughs) <laughs> this is actually where I'm going to kind of sound like the people you were just bitching about. He could have, if he would, if if he would have been like he was in mid south. And I'm not saying that he, no, 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 I'm not saying he was bad. But what I'm saying is, as a singles, <laughs> not putting him into the tag team with Brett, if he would have went more with kind of the 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 badass rhino kind of gimmick that he had in mid south, I right. think it could have worked in the WWF. But I'm glad that the, I'm glad it turned out the way it did. I'm, right. just, I, I'm not saying it wouldn't have worked, but I'm just saying he wouldn't have had a fucking they, like, they tried like to 85 to like 94 run in that company. Oh, no, no. I mean, look at it. Brett, okay, they took him away from Brett. They put him with Owen a little bit. That was horrible. And then they made him who? They put a mask yeah. on him and said, you're going to be who? And he said, who? And he, they said, yeah, who? And then I mean, an, an Abbott and Costello joke. You know I, I, mean? I am going to play devil's advocate and say his... Sheer absolute love of cocaine may have also helped hurt him a little bit in those later years, but or <laughs> helped him, <laughs> or helped him, whatever. Yeah, um, Jim, you're gonna be who? Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. I'll be what, baby? <laughs> right. I'll be Call now. Me. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> pay my RS bill. <laughs> First, first name what? Last name ever. I'm like whatever. Just pay me. Um, <laughs> the next match on this card, 
is uh, Jose Luis Rivera versus I put Count Kong, Count Kong Bundy. Yeah, I put it's uh, King Kong Bundy, <laughs> Bun- King Kong in Bundy cape. in a cape. <laughs> That's exactly what I put. King like Kong his- Bundy in a cape. In a cake. In a cake. I mean, he ate a cake. cake. (laughs) With Jimmy Hart versus versus that fucking Mexican guy. Jose Luis Vera, actually Puerto Rican guy. But uh, my favorite line that that Gorilla Monsoon says during this match is, Jimmy Hart is really bringing a relative who's who into the WWF. And I'm like, okay, yeah. But then I'm like, wait a minute. Bundy was then managed by... Bobby the Brain Heenan, and then the Million Dollar Man. <laughs> so he wasn't really loyal to Jimmy. Nah, he not very much. With Jimmy, you know. I thought it was funny. Essentially, Gorilla Monsoon at one point in this match um, calls <laughs> inadvertently calls or subliminally calls King Kong Bundy a fat ass. Yep. <clears throat> because Gene says King Kong Bundy reminds me of a. A young gorilla monsoon and girls yeah. like no 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 no, 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 no. <laughs> this guy's I think he says this guy's a lot more round than I ever was or something yep. to that effect. But yep. yeah, I just thought no, like no, no, he says gorilla monsoon. Well, okay, maybe he he does discount the fact that he's not as rotund as Bundy, <laughs> but then gorilla goes. I think Bundy's big all over. Oh. That's gross. <laughs> but what I was thinking during the at the beginning of this when I wrote Count Kong Bundy was was were they thinking about <laughs> like at one point was that like the thought process was like King right. Kong Bundy was going to wear a cape and and be like a count of some kind or like uh, Baron Von Rossi or Baron Von Roschke or something you know I don't know maybe maybe he was going to be an opera singer. The other thing I wonder is what does Vince McMahon have against King Kong Bundy? I don't know. He's not in the Hall of Fame. He's not in the Hall of Fame. He never gets talked about. Like, um, there's that fucking video they made where, like, they was like the Giants of the WWE or whatever, and it's on their network, and they talk about like Vader and Yokozuna and Andre the Giant and all, and all these guys that should be mentioned, but there's no Bundy. Like, what the fuck did Bundy do? Yeah, made, I've always wondered that too. He made the referees count longer. Like, they said, never heard- they, they said I've- Savage slept with fucking Stephanie. Did like Bundy try to like fuck Linda? Linda? He wanted Linda. <laughs> Vince, I'm not saying I'd he like did. A, I'm just saying. Vince, I'd like a piece of that cake and a date with your wife. <laughs> and a cape. I want a cape. <laughs> I want a cape. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you the cape. And you can have all the cake. You and want. the cake. You leave, you leave Linda. But you, but you can't eat her too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this was essentially a squash for oh, Bundy. Um, five count. Yeah, the five count, and and eh, that's it. Put it in the books. Yeah, that one's over. He, he was the a conquistador, by the way. The, the, the Jose Luis Rivera. Yeah, he was a conquistador. He was also one of those guys that, like, in the early '80s during the Backland era, 
that he kind of got in there because they thought they were going to be able to push him as a big baby face for the Puerto Rican fans. And then he really wasn't very good, but he stuck around anyway. <laughs> like he's just, he's always on those all-star wrestling shows so, and stuff, but so he was Dominic Mysterio for 1985. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And Dominic well, Danucci too, for that matter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do we want to go into the Piper's pit segment or do we want to take a break? I'll go into it. Yeah. Okay. We have up next. Actually, first we have a promo from Mr. T and Hulk Hogan talking about WrestleMania with Mean Gene. And now, and now, what I consider the main event of the show: the Piper's Pit. Rowdy Roddy Piper in Madison Square Garden. Incredible at on the his, mic. Oh, yeah. At his white, hot heat best. Yep. And um, I mean, that's literally my, my note. Piper has white, hot heat. There he, he was. He didn't have to talk. He could have just sat there in the ring and they would have booed him. And I know this has been a talking point in, in discussion through over the years through the WWE's channels and their DVDs and anybody else that has ever talked about WrestleMania. WrestleMania succeeded, and I'm not taking anything away from Hulk Hogan. No. Hulk Hogan was red hot himself, a ball of charisma, the fucking man, okay? Not taking anything away from him. But you throw in the celebrity of T, because at that time, T was a huge TV star. Yep. And to what everybody always says, if it would not have been Piper. Right. If that would have been Orndorff and Orton. Yeah, without Piper, without Piper, Piper, I mean, Hogan, Piper is essentially, Piper is essentially, Piper is essentially to the beginning of Hulkamania what Bret Hart was to the beginning of Austin 316. Without a doubt. Do you you want to know what my first note of this thing is? Go for it. It says, without Roddy Piper, there would be no WrestleMania without a, with a number. No. Absolutely not. Like, there would be no WrestleMania 2, well, no right, WrestleMania 3, no WrestleMania 4 without Roddy Piper. They carried the Piper T-Feud over into WrestleMania 2 a year later. One of my, uh, one of my favorite, and this is stupid too, but one of my favorite things that Piper would do it this time is just how he would randomly ahead, would be man. how would be how he would randomly introduce Bob Orton. Yep, like he'd come out and he'd be like, oh, "I'm Ronnie Piper," <laughs> blowing snot and shit, and then he'd like talk for like five minutes and be like, "All you fat sows out there needs to just be talking," and he'd be talking, like, "Oh, I'm gonna beat up Mister T and I'm gonna fuck up Hulk Hogan." And I, oh. That's my that's my body guard. That's, that's my, my body guard ace over there. That's the body guard. <laughs> he just randomly introduced. Oh yeah, that's my body guard ace <laughs> over there. And Bob Orton would pop for it. He'd be like, "Hi, I'm right here." Hey guys, don't you wish you had a body guard? Yeah, don't you wish you had a body guard like that guy? He's fucking great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fucking love that shit. I don't know why it cracks me up, but every time no, he's just like. I'm here, I'm there, I'm everywhere. Oh, yeah, that's my bodyguard, Ace. We <laughs> have a bodyguard over here. <laughs> he, um, 
they're two guys that when you look at their, it's funny because when you look at them and their characters, they shouldn't be together. Yeah. You wouldn't think they would mesh so well, but they're so fucking good together. They're so good together. (laughs) Because Piper's a scumbag and like Orton is, he's just the guy that would be friends with the scumbag. (laughs) I don't know how to explain it. Well, you, you remember... Like, the, like the, Piper the, would say some shit and Orton would just be in the back way. <laughs> <Right. laughs> I'm just a bodyguard. Yeah. I'm Ace. How you doing? My, no, my brother's not very own. No, I swear. <laughs> I'm not related to that fucking guy. So, and then he... The thing that he's like, and now I'm going to bring out the celebrity, the movie star, the, Paul Orndorff. And I'm like, wow, what a setup. Yeah, it was Orndorf great. Comes, you know, you think he's about to bring out Mr. T. Here comes Orndorff. Orndorff's in tremendous shape. He plays the part. There should have never have been a face Paul Orndorff. Paul Orndorff was meant to be a heel his entire career. The only time that I think it worked as a face, because I think from the minute they turned him babyface, they intended for him to turn on Hogan. Right. Right. So that was that was okay to set up that they didn't have him babyface very long, you know, and but the one thing I wrote down about Orndorf was I have Paul Orndorf, that monkey joke, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, I put, yeah. I put yeah. um that um Paul Orndorf implied that Mr. T is a champ. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would not that would not fly. Not a good look. That wouldn't. That shouldn't have flied in '85. I I wish I could say that wouldn't have flied today, but that shouldn't have flied in '85. Somebody should have been like, "Ooh, we got to edit that for TV." But the WWE Network was like, "No, put it on in the old story. Just leave it." (laughs) Oh, we got to cut out that fucking. um, Only those three. Only those three jag off for the We Can't Wrestle podcast are watching it anyway. Right. Right. (laughs) It's like we can't have obsession play on the Saturday Night Main event, but we can let fucking Orndorff make a chimp joke. Jesus Christ. And then Mr. T and Hogan come out. Snook is there, sort of like a chihuahua. You know, he's just there. He doesn't say anything, he doesn't do anything. But like a little murderous dog. Right. He's ready to at, this point, I think, I, at this point, I think even in real life, he was just there. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and they have a a back and forth between Piper and T. Which is and... excellent. Even Mr. T actually cut a hell of a promo. Oh, yeah. He was so good here. He was great. Um, and... The, the thing that I put was that he was exceptionally good. And I can see why they wanted him for this role. Yeah, Hogan didn't really say much during this whole interaction. Hogan said nothing. It's funny that you said that, Archie, because I put, considering, in my notes I have, considering how the company revolved around Hogan or was going to revolve around Hogan, this this whole segment was about Mr. T. Right. Hulk Hogan doesn't utter a word. Nope. What I put, and it might be dumb, is like looking at it, I understand why why Piper during this era um 
dislike tea. I understand it. Like I, and I'm not saying you guys are wrong about Mr. Mr. T because I thought Mr. T was cool, but Piper legitimately, Piper legit threw a goddamn cup of ice right in Mr. T's face. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> like Mr. T was just trying to be like, I'm pitted a fool. I'm trying to work. And Piper was like, fuck you. And just threw that cup of ice right in his face. Am I the only guy that missed that? Or saw oh, no. no, no, I have I it on my notes. But this segment was awesome. Uh, yeah, again, like I said, I don't ever, if I ever have seen this show, I don't remember it. And watching this, I was like, wow, that is good hype for WrestleMania. That was a great segment. And again, oh, take, totally taken aback by the lack of anything revolving around Hogan. You know, this segment was all about Piper no, and I mean, T. Piper pulling out those artworks, those those drawings or paintings. And it was about T. There wasn't a mention of Hogan even in those in those drawings. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It was T with an arm brace and it was T with a leg brace. And it was T within a full body cast. And the thing, the best line Mr. T could have ever delivered. Mr. Piper, I see you're a great artist. I think you're a great artist. But at WrestleMania, I'm going to whip your ass. And I'm gonna... <laughs> yeah, it's very, uh, was very that like, Was that like a compliment sandwich? Like, you're a great artist, but I'm going to kick your ass. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm going to kick your artistic ass at WrestleMania. <laughs> <laughs> and see, you're a great artist. You're a great artist. And all, it brought me back to Hall of Fame speech. I love my mama. No one can tell me I don't love my mama. I'm like, what does this have to do? What does this have to do with what's going on? <laughs> Fantastic. It was great. And then, of course, the the segment ends with Piper, <clears throat> Orton, and, or- and Orndorff running out, and T destroying those paintings like they were nothing. Yes. They literally broke into toothpicks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and Hogan's just running around the ring ripping his shirt off. Snooker's jumping on the top rope for no reason whatsoever. You know? As usual. But the star was Mr. T. The whole thing was about T and Piper. And it was it was like like we mentioned before, it was it was a great segment. I really yes, liked that. Without a doubt. Now we move into something that wasn't so great. The son of Bruno San Martino, David San Martino. Oh. Against Matt Bourne. No dissing no. Matt Bourne. No, not the, at all. The match is boring. I, here's what here's what again a little you know uh, reveal here. I didn't know Matt Bourne was a second generation superstar. Yep. And I found that out during the, as they were announcing this match. Tony and, Bourne. Yep, Tony Bourne. I went and looked it up, and I'm like, wow, his dad actually was a decent wrestler. So and then uh, had a background. Matt Bourne is one of the like I don't know very many actual wrestlers in the business, but Matt Bourne is one of the only guys that I've heard Chad say he was like somewhat legitimately scared of. Yeah. Yeah. We asked him kind of a psychopath. We we asked him on a on a prior edition of the show, we asked Chad about Matt Bourne. Um because I thought the Bourne I thought the Bourne again thing in ECW was fun. Awesome. So I asked Chad if he had any interaction with Matt Bourne, and Chad's, I think, essentially his quote was, yeah, I just stayed on the other end of the locker room. 
<laughs> he didn't want. I didn't want anything to do with that guy. Right. Right. And he so, said, you know those promos when he was in the hotel at the end of the night? Yeah, this guy's pretty fucked up. <laughs> Stay away from him. Well, I mean, it show even here in 1985, he looked a little edgy. Like he mm-hmm. might have been hearing some voices in his head that weren't talking to him very nicely. But goddamn, goddamn, did he did a, do a great oh. job with Doink? But oh, um, yeah, oh yeah. Well, he did a great job as Doink. And what I was going to say was, if he would have been a better citizen. Oh, excuse me. If he would have been a better citizen, I think Matt Bourne in the 85-88 era, because he was a fantastic promo as well, mm-hmm. could have been gangbusters in the WWF. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, he, he wrestles David San Martino in this match, and David San Martino, um, as I wrote here, without his dad... Was not over at all. Do you um, want my note? Do you want my note on David San Martino? Whenever he would come out with Bruno, the people would go apeshit. But that's because they were to the point where they even started calling him David Bruno San Martino. <laughs> yeah, it's like the Nick George Goulas. Yes. <laughs> Do you want my note? Go ahead, Aaron. You want my note on David San Martino? Mm-hmm. And I watched this entire show sober. <laughs> These are my notes. Matt Bourne, one of the only guys Chad said was legit crazy. WWE or WWF could have done more with Bourne in the 80s if he would have been a better citizen. And then my last note is David San Martino is built like a chicken nugget. <laughs> Good call. Good freaking call. Wow. Wow. You know what I'm imagining? Remember the, the McDonald's people, the fry guys, and the little chicken that was wearing a, 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 a pilot hat? I picture David just sitting there going, hi. Dunk me. Dunk me. Welcome to McDonald's. Nate, do you want to decide what no I had is going to be the name of the show? <laughs> David San Martino shaped like a chicken nugget. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. Oh, that might be, that might be the, one that I, the one that I had. was What was it called again? Big, big winter. Oh, that was the last one. episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Giant winter monkey. <laughs> I like yours better. Big David giant Sam, winter monkey. David San Martino is shaped like a chicken nugget. Oh, God. Oh, God. Is he not? No, you hit it on the head. You hit it perfectly. Oh, my God. He's even colored like one, too. <laughs> oh my Guys, God. I can only make the title so long. <laughs> <laughs> I went off on a tirade last week, if you guys remember, about wrestling kids because I saw Billy Billy Gunn's children in AEW, mm-hmm. and they suck. They can't <laughs> cut a promo and they can't wrestle. And I mentioned I mentioned David Sammartino, and I think somebody said, "Well, David wasn't that bad." And I said, "Have you seen him wrestle?" And they never <laughs> answered back. David was horrible, and I'm sorry. Bruno was great. 
I love Bruno. He's truly a legend, but yeah, there was a reason. There was a reason. Anytime they they put they had a show that was supposed to draw any kind of money, they had Bruno out there with David. Like at WrestleMania, WrestleMania one, right? Where he wrestles, where he wrestles beefcake. Jesus Christ, booty beef. It's definitely the low light of WrestleMania one. Is that match? Booty beef versus the McNugget. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a happy meal. Uh, all right, moving along. Born who who won this match? I don't even have David, wrote down who won I it. I believe David won. A fucking Nugget won it. <laughs> you know, to his credit, Owen Hart said for years, "I'm not a Nugget." Maybe he was trying to tell us about it. <laughs> it, was a, it was a rib on David the whole time. Yeah. yeah. So we uh, we follow this up with a six man tag team match that's pretty star packed here. Yeah, I like this match. You have Jesse the Body Ventura, Ken Patera, and Big John Stud against Junkyard Dog, Jimmy Snuka, and Andre the Giant. Now, Bobby Heenan is out with the heel team. Mm -hmm. Who was he managing at this time? Um, Patera and Stud. Patera and Stud. Patera and Stud. Okay. Because I don't think Jesse being in the Because he he, he was going to manage Jesse. And also, but Jesse got Agent Orange, and Nate laughed like I'm joking. No, no, I just it was like it sounded like you said he got Agent Orange that day. <laughs> no, not in the fucking night. Je- basically, Jesse had lung issues and right. um, had to retire. He and had to retire, and that's why if you watch, if you watch a lot of like those '80s like. Coliseum videos, you'll mm-hmm. see Jesse on him because they would put Jesse in these six man matches because he was still a draw. Right. Mm-hmm. Like people really would be saying, oh, Jesse long. Ventura. Right. But right. he couldn't work. Right. You know what I mean? Like he could, like, so if you watch this match, like he'll tag in and hold a couple elbows and then he'll tag out. And right. then at the end of it, he takes the pin and he could take the pin because <laughs> you still keep, you still keep Patera good. And stud good, and Jesse takes a pin. Right, right. Oh, well, they pin a commentator or whatever. That's why Jesse's in there. Well, Gorilla mentions, or maybe it was Gene, says, interesting to see one of our fellow broadcasters in the ring. As yeah, that's why Jesse was in there because so, they, yeah. they, they wanted to pack Madison Square Garden, and right. Who what a better it? way to do it than say right. Ventura's on it. Right. And, and one of my favorite Bobby Heenan lines is. When he goes in the Hall of Fame, he's talking about all the people he could have managed. And he goes, like, when I first got to the WWF, <laughs> he's like, they had they had, uh, they had, had the Grand Wizard here, and he was doing a great job. And Fred Blasty, he was here doing a great job. And Lou Albano was here. He refused to get fired. <laughs> and he goes, <laughs> and he goes, <laughs> <laughs> and then they told they told me I could have I, I could manage I could manage Jesse Ventura. He goes, imagine if I would have done that today, I would have been the I might have been the first lady of Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that Albano line's so good. <laughs> yeah, he refused to get fired. He refused to get fired. <laughs> I love it when he mentions his wife. 
and, and they, 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 give the pop. <laughs> they give her the pop and then he's like yeah you haven't had the meatloaf <laughs> Oh, God. God rest his soul. All he's, right. like, he's like, you try sleeping on a on a blow-up mattress watching Judge Judy. <laughs> <laughs> there will never be a funnier human being than Bobby Heenan. Oh, without a doubt. Ever. We could, we've done a show on him before. We'll probably have to do another one at some point. But All right, so uh, back to the six-man. This was a decent six-man match with a lot of star power. This yeah, was yeah. really... Honestly, right before Patera went to prison. Speaking of McNuggets. There's there's a lot going on on this show. This show is interesting because it's a... I shouldn't say it's a transition show, but it it, it shows you what was happening right before... Like, how the territory was right before it became... The boom. The boom. Mm-hmm. Andre, Andre was Renee, stud. Like Rene Goulet, Rocky right. Johnson, right. Ken right. Patera, Jose Luis Rivera. Y- y- you know what I mean? Right. Right. It goes from being it goes from being like this is the last show that's like this is a territory to this is a boom. Right. Mm-hmm. And you, well, you're right. You could see it. You see the transition happening. You know, uh, that's Andre, why that's... Andre was at the tail end. I mean, not the tail end because obviously WrestleMania three is in two more years. But Andre was moving slightly slow. Oh no, he was at he was at the tail end of his career here. Yeah. I mean, by the time you get to WrestleMania three, right? He's a uh, and and I don't know if if you guys if either one of you have read the Andre the Giant biography that recently came out. If you have not, you should get it. It's the, I really love Bret Hart's autobiography and I am, I love Mick Foley's first book. Right. But this book, um, that new Andre, the giant book that came out (coughs) earlier this year, late last year is the best wrestling book I've ever read. Um, they go into insane amounts of detail uh, back to Andre's beginnings, you know, trying to, you know, his career is so much because of, of the, of the size of man he was and the legend he right. was right. there. It's, it's hard to separate a lot of the stories fact from fiction. And this book does a really good job of that. And it also does a really good job of painting the picture that Andre's biggest, biggest, moment probably wrestlemania 3 he was probably in in from that wrestlemania 3 wrestlemania 4 wrestlemania 5 that whole three-year period he is in such terrible condition oh yeah and he's in pain and he's i mean what he did was superhuman being able to do what he did was superhuman so yes you're not wrong you weren't misstating when you said right. he was he's, in the tail of his career here archie he's because to wind down he's, he's literally he's literally in an autopilot for the for the for those huge well, years of the WWF, I mean, you look at this match, the six man tag. So obviously that's so Andre doesn't have to carry a lot of the match. Then you look at his match at WrestleMania it was a body slam challenge. So all they were really trying to do was chop each other and slam each other. Mm-hmm. Then you fast forward to WrestleMania two, and he's in a battle royal, which yep. he wins, but he doesn't have to do a lot in a battle royal because he's Andre the Giant. 
You know, what and I mean? he's working he's with there. fucking Brett, right? And, and <laughs> a bunch of football players. So you know, you know, so he the match with Hogan was the match that he really had to do a lot in. And I'll be honest, when he I has was, nothing in it. Well, I mean, he has to he has to get up for the slam. He's got to you know push Hogan around a little. But Andre was the one wrestler when you would see him wince in pain from like a move being done to him, you really felt like he was in pain. Mm-hmm. It kind of hurt you at the heart. Like, is he, is he really selling or is he really in pain? Yeah. You know, but he's still, he's still in fairly decent shape during this match. Match oh, is yeah. good. We get a, we get a uh, super fly splash on Jesse Ventura for the finish. Anything else on this one, guys? Oh, entertaining match. Up next, also um, coming into the WWF at this time, out of the Mid-Atlantic area, we have Ricky Steamboat Yes, against Terry Gibbs. I just put good squash match. I don't really, I mean, there really was um, anything. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, they just keep mentioning how young Steamboat is here and how, like, they almost want to call him green. And I was, like, surprised because I thought Steamboat had a career before this. Oh, oh, he like, did. Oh, yeah. yeah so, it, was, it, it was a fantastic career. Yeah. But th- this, this is a prime example of the WWF. Not mentioning other Just saying, no, oh, this, guy, yeah. this guy is brand new. Right. <laughs> like, when, like when Gorilla Monsoon calls Carlos Colon a youngster at the Royal right. Rumble in 1993. <laughs> I'm sitting there going, it's like he has crevices on his forehead other <laughs> than Doug Gilbert. He, he, he looks like he looks like George Jefferson, and you're calling him a youngster. Right. We, we get to the main event of this card in a, in a little bit, and one of the lines that Gorilla says is, maybe one day Ricky Steamboat will work his way up to a match against Greg Valentine for the Intercontinental title. I'm like, motherfucker, what? <laughs> He's got to work his way up? Really? <laughs> He's Ricky Steamboat. You know, but this match is what it is, and mm-hmm. again, it's just an, an effective squash for right. Ricky to establish himself in the garden and and, and work his way I, up to the title match. Yeah, can I, make, <laughs> can I make a comment? It's probably stupid, and it no might more. not it, it <clears throat> might not be accurate. But I want to say something about Terry Gibbs. Okay, you know what I think Terry Gibbs was trying to do, honestly. The only thing he was trying to like trip. Like trying to rip off and be like a generic version of Tully Blanchard. Well, I mean, it's not a stupid comment. I'm sure he loaned something from Tully's look. They I just think like, similar. like Terry Gibbs to me was just trying to look, 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 and act like Tully Blanchard. He was trying. <laughs> He didn't succeed. I didn't say the guy was doing a good job, man. I'm just saying, like, with how he was, like, doing his mannerisms and shit, dude was trying to be Tully Blanchard. It's like, sit the fuck down, Terry Gibbs. You're Terry Gibbs. You're not even Barry Gibbs. Shit. You're You're barely staying alive in there. (laughs) Yeah, when a greenhorn like Ricky Steamboat could kick your ass. Yeah. This yeah, youngster, this, this newbie, this, this rookie, <laughs> fucking noob, Ricky Steamboat. What a stupid name! He'll never get anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> maybe you should go with the name Dick Blood, you loser. Right. <laughs> and the main event of this show, 
for the Intercontinental title, and I put good as expected, as yes. you would expect from these two guys, Tito oh, Santana, definitely. who doesn't get talked about enough. And, and Greg he's never had a bad match. Yes. And it is the first ever, according to Gorilla Monsoon, I believe he said, first ever um, lumberjack match for the Intercontinental title. Yes. Which was a good fact. I was like, wow, I didn't know mm-hmm. that. And yeah. it is a good match. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I don't have a lot of notes on it. I, I think I don't have a lot of notes on it because, to be perfectly honest, I was watching the match. I I, yeah, I got kind of caught up in the match because right. these two are so good together. They are very good together. I just kept thinking to myself, the lumberjacks aren't actually doing what today's lumber or even the '90s lumberjacks would do. No one was really trying to keep these guys. Like beat you know you know like in a lumberjack match nowadays or whatever it becomes a well the the heels are beating up the face nobody mm-hmm. ever really went to go beat up Tito they were right. just pushing him back in the ring so they were actually doing their job correctly at this match which was weird yeah, to see it was a match back in the day when shit actually made sense <laughs> oh, right what what um, I, one note that I have and then I'll I'll let you go Aaron um, but. One note that I have is is it is curious to me why two weeks before WrestleMania, right, the two guys who were feuding over the title and could have a match like this are having this match in Madison Square Garden, mm-hmm. and why they didn't just go ahead and book these guys at WrestleMania. WrestleMania. To have That's my first fucking note. It's like these guys should have had this at WrestleMania. Well, yeah, I mean, they could have at least had a match at WrestleMania. It would have made sense. They should have had this match at WrestleMania. Instead, okay. instead we got Santana versus the Executioner and Valentine versus JYD in a non-title match. Right. JYD, okay, and I know like Tito's like, oh, Vince McMahon told me go out there and wake the garden up. You could have went out there and woke the garden up with this match. With this match. Right. And then let JYD beat the Executioner. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, uh, here's the thing. Okay, Nate mentioned earlier, you want to sell out the garden, bring in Jesse Ventura. Okay, you also you want to put on a main event for the end kind of the title. That's not a problem. This could have been a preview to WrestleMania because Valentine won anyway. Right. So if they were going to put, which they, you know, it's not like they were putting <coughs> belt on Tito anyway. They could have rehad this match at Mania. Who else saw this match except for the people at the at Madison Square Garden? Right, you that know, or you know? yeah, it was just pretty much them and people watching on the MSG network. Right, so I mean, it's not like people would be like, "Oh, this is boring." We saw this two weeks ago. No, show me it again. Let me see it again. Yeah. So <sighs> overall, oh, I'm sorry, guys. Well, Anything? I, 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 I put it had a good, this match had a great realistic finish too. Definitely. Very realistic, good finish. Well, I put that it was a good match. I didn't like completely like the ending, um, and I had like a weird note. It's not a weird. It's not a weird note, but it was something randomly that I thought of, and I watched the Steamboat match and then this match, and I thought about um, Jay Youngblood and Ricky and Ricky Steamboat. Mm-hmm. What I thought was in the WWF, like say Steamboat would like to jump around a lot. Yeah, say he would have stayed there. Fucking Ricky Steamboat and Tito Santana 
would have been a really good goddamn tag team. Yeah. 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 That would have, and this is no knocking the partner, but that would have been a better strike force than Santana and Martel. Yeah. Right. Right. Fucking Ricky Steamboat and Tito Santana together. Good God. Why didn't anybody fucking think of that? They didn't have any faith in the newbie, a.k.a. Apparently, Tito was like, fuck that greenhorn. Right. (laughs) I want Rick Martell, not Rick Steamboat. Yeah. But anyway, I think Ricky and Tito would have been great. I could have seen it. So overall, this this surprised me because when I told Aaron pick a number or whatever I did, and we right. came up with this, I was like, "Oh boy, I don't know what this is going to turn into." Right. But this uh, this bad boy surprised me. I gave this motherfucker four out of five. This is a good Jesus. show. You're much nicer than me. <laughs> I give it a three and a half out of five. I had, let me see. I gave it, I gave it two and a half out of five. I had, I had three effective squashes. I had a match with a giant. I had a fantastic mid show Piper's pit segment. Right. I had a great six man. I had a good squash with Ricky Steamboat. I had a good intercontinental title main event. And then I had an astastic. Uh, David San Martino appearance. So overall, for me, it was a really good show. Nugget of the yeah. night definitely goes to David. <laughs> I give it two and a half. Uh, how many? How many and a half? Two and a half. All right. Not terrible. I, I thought it was more entertaining than it should have been. Oh um, yeah, I went. I went in with no hope in this. I was like, okay, I'm going to be just. It's going to be on in the background, and I'm going to just be doing whatever I'm doing. And, like, three matches in, I literally was like, okay, what's going to happen next? This match right there, this card right here was anything better. This was better than anything I've seen on Monday Night Raw in 2020. I want to see see Barry Owen, Renee Renee Goulet on Monday Night Raw. Well, one of them's dead. And the other one is living outside of a Buffalo Wings and Rings or whatever, so it's not going to happen. But He's living um, in a big Van Vader van down by the river. river. He's eating expired cat food. And Vienna sausage. No, he's eating Pop-Tarts and says it's saying he's eating raviolis. <laughs> <laughs> Nate, that was like the best post ever. Too. Oh, you like that? It, it really popped me. I laughed when I saw it. <laughs> but the Aaron, did you see it? Huh? I posted oh. in the I posted in the Motley Soup. Pop tarts are ravioli. No, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> No, they're not. I put up. This is for de- up for debate. Pop tarts are ravioli. Well, I just told you <laughs> they're not. <laughs> oh, God. did you did you see what I think is going to be the downfall of human civilization? What? Trash pandas. Yes, yes, I saw that <laughs> yesterday. Nate, did you see that? Yes. Trash panda. Do you know what a trash panda is? 
It's a raccoon. It's a raccoon. And raccoons have thumbs, and they pick things up. That's how they can steal things. And when you see them and they pick it up and they run away with it, eventually they're going to pick up a semi-automatic weapon, (laughs) and they're going to learn how to fire it. And they're going to see what it does, and it's going to be like, like, holy shit. That trash pan is going to be like, holy shit. Everything's scurried. And then they're just going to come up to you, and you're just walking down the street eating your fucking ravioli pop tart <laughs> and they're gonna fucking point their firearm at you and be like shit another trash panda I'm just gonna give it my food and you're I have just gonna a question give it now. I have a question though Aaron okay when the trash pandas begin shooting <laughs> and he runs out of bullets <laughs> who's gonna reload the other trash panda. <laughs> <laughs> but they don't, but how will they know? I mean, yes, anything can pick up a gun and just fire it. And All right, I can believe that. That's believable. I'm with you on that. But how will they know to release the clip and put new bullets in and put the clip back in and you know, so yes. what you're saying, Archie? People like what you're saying, so what you're people, saying, Archie? People like me. Hold on, Aaron. Aaron. to the trash panda that does not want them to murder them is going to be like, I will help you, trash panda. <laughs> essentially, essentially, what Archie's saying is our generation will probably be okay because right. the trash panda will get one one good day. <laughs> Right. right. <laughs> one good day. One yeah, one, one good day. Off. One good day out of the spray, and then the thing's empty. Right. <laughs> so as he evolves, though, the next generation might be in danger. Right. Or if Aaron's <laughs> helping them reload, we're all in danger. Yeah. <laughs> be like, I will help you, Lord Trash Panda. <laughs> Lord Trash Panda. <laughs> Please don't murder me and the ones that I love. Sounds like a gimmick that AEW would put out. Lord Trash Panda. <laughs> so a couple of years ago, side story, and then we should probably sign off. But a couple of years ago, when my son was not... I didn't think about the Trash Pandas trying to reload. <laughs> <laughs> when when my, son was, when my son was small still and not 19 feet tall, um, we were having... I had, these, I had these fucking raccoons that lived in the tree behind my house, okay? And no matter what I did, I could not get rid of them. So we're having a bonfire one night. And I go inside to grab a beer and I come back out. And, you know, we had seen the raccoons fucking around in the tree and coming down out of the tree and stuff throughout the evening. So I come back out after getting my beer. And my son is chucking marshmallows over to the raccoons. (laughs) And I'm like, you little bastard, I'm trying to get rid of these things, and you're feeding them. (laughs) Because he understood what was coming. (laughs) I had a a premonition, Papa. (laughs) Uncle Aaron spoke of it on your show. (laughs) This thing will have a semi-automatic weapon. (laughs) And he will thank us for the marshmallows and leave us be. Yeah. Thank you for serving me in the in the past, my son. Yeah. What what noise do raccoons make? Isn't it like a or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> leave 
Leave the Maxons alone. They get now, if you judge it by if you judge it by the great outdoors, they're like. He's like. And that that translates into in the past, young Sean Maxon partook upon us the marshmallows, fed the chosen one the marshmallows to bring us to this day. You shall be saved. You shall be. You shall be spared. You shall be spared by our hail of bullets. And then I'd be like, oh, well, fuck the neighbors. Yeah. Fuck you, Arnold. You're dead, buddy. As usual, this show has gone off the rails. But in an oh-so-wonderful place. Absolutely. Love it. Um, Aaron, any parting words for our listeners this week? Other than check out for the Trash Pandas. Hail Lord Trash Panda. Mr. Mitchell. Thank you for joining us, everybody, this week on the Camp Mitchell Podcast. And we'll see you again next week. Have a great day.